not be driven by fear into an age of unreason. Oh my god, guys, listen up. I have an announcement to make. But did you guys know that I'm like the number one Google search last week? It could be the stuff of history, however, one way or the other. Okay, is Jessica Simpson here yet? And to those critics who are so pessimistic about our economy, I say, don't be economic girly man. And you'll never have to pour or measure detergent again. Can we, can we all get along? Terror, horror, death. Film at 11. How many sides does a triangle have? Damn, four. There's no side. One. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Last week on Earth. Hello, everybody. Brain Trust, welcome to this last week on Earth. It's good to have you here. I missed you. I've been so enjoying doing the podcast again consistently. It ain't going to stop. So tell your friends, spread the word. We got a two-in-one episode today because it's basically a solo episode where I'm going to cover a bunch of news stories, things happening in this fine world, fine yet crumbling world. And then I have a great guest, very interesting guest, Ms. Aura Vasquez, which is very fun to say. I recommend you try it. Aura Vasquez. You should try it right now. I know you're thinking that's funny saying try it. Try it. I'm going to pause for three seconds. You say to yourself, Aura Vasquez. I think most of you didn't do it, and I'm hurt. She's running for city council here in Los Angeles, District 10, a district that includes Crenshaw, Koreatown, Little Ethiopia. Um, had a very interesting conversation. I did a show with her recently, a political talk show, and she was very interesting. She gave me AOC vibes with her passion, with her youth. Um, and I can't believe I'm old enough now to say youth about other people. And so I invited her on the podcast. She is up for election for city council this Super Tuesday, March 3rd. So it's a very interesting chat we have in a little bit. Um, also stay tuned during that conversation, the debut of two brand new impressions of mine, Elizabeth Warren and Elon Musk. Um, they're little impressions, little tasters, little, little feelers, really. Let me know on Twitter at Ben Glee what you think about them. Um, we got to start with a big story here. A lot going on in the world and, uh, Donald Trump's trying to get himself in the middle of all of it. Roger Stone might be exonerated by Trump. Trump is hinting he might pardon him if shit doesn't go down the way Trump likes. Um, Trump said, quote, he has a very good chance of exoneration. You're the president. What do you mean good chance? You either do things or you don't. But it's the first president in my memory that I could ever see, I've ever seen, that is literally pardoning people just because he sees them on Fox News. He thinks they're cool. I mean, Adam Schiff's pissed tweeted on Thursday, if President Trump pardoned Stone, it would be a breathtaking act of corruption. Stone, of course, found guilty for lying to Congress and threatening a witness. He did it to cover up for Trump, uh, Schiff continued. His sentence is justified. Trump doesn't care. He pardoned Blagojevich, who sold, tried to sell a Senate seat, Barack Obama's Senate seat. He's now saying that, uh, He's a, he was a political prisoner. No, just because you were in politics and you're a prisoner don't make you a political prisoner. That's like saying that I'm an apple pie because I love both apples and pies. The analogy fell apart. But I think you understand the point. Speaking of guilty dirtbags, Weinstein found guilty. 
What's his name? David Weinstein? Henry? Harvey? Not Henry, God forbid. That's my dog, and he's a good man. Harvey Weinstein is now a convicted rapist, a huge victory for the Me Too movement and for good humans across the globe. That's nice that that went down. Um, it's incredible that finally this person who everybody knew was a dirtbag who committed sexual assault and so many rapes that he is accused of, it took newspapers, magazines, nationwide stories, coverage from every angle, and the steely blue Sinatra eyes of Ronan Farrow to take just one person down, but it's starting. People are starting to believe the women who are accusing this person. You get a barrage of accusations, most likely you're guilty. And so he went down, and that's great news. Um, we've had two debates in the last week. Two debates. Are they going a little strong on the debates? Maybe, but they are must-see television. Holy Lord, these presidential debates have been so exciting. The one a week ago on NBC, moderators up top said there's only six of you left. You can feel free to go at each other. They literally said you can feel free to communicate directly to each other, and they just went after each other. The first minute, Elizabeth Warren slays Mike Bloomberg. Someone changed his Wikipedia to say, cause of death, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, it was gangster. She came out strong. Challenged him to release all people that have signed non-disclosure agreements with his company to be able to speak freely. He refused to do it. Two days later, he said, we went through and we found two or three. We found three people that we're going to release. So we've done what Elizabeth Warren says. No, she said all of them. There's apparently like dozens, it seems. Releasing a select three doesn't do much of anything at all. But then the debate just a day ago on CBS, Warren tried to do it again, tried to get him to release all of them. It felt a little more hollow this time because she's making her whole campaign like she's prosecuting Bloomberg, really helping the other candidates. She was not as strong in this last debate. Bernie has emerged as the big-time frontrunner. We'll dive a lot deeper with Aura Vasquez as the podcast unfolds. But Bernie crushed it in Nevada so hard, 46%. Biden close to him with only 20%. And everybody else below that. He's such a strong frontrunner now. They all came swinging in the debate just last night. Came swinging hard. Baseball bats, basically. Everybody trying to attack Bernie, saying, oh, you cozy up to authoritarian re regimes. Russia's trying to help you win, which came out this week. But Bernie just takes all of it, throws it right back. He's like Trump for the good guys. He goes, oh, really? That's what you're going to say? That's what you're going to say to me? He's getting like De Niro vibes. Are you talking to me? I'm Bernie Sanders, okay? I'm going to take the top 1% of this and just smack you in the tooth with it, okay? It's a very aggressive Bernie Sanders. He's been in the gym. He's doing push-ups, and you can't stop him right now. It might be tilting towards Bernie where his time might be coming. His time might be here. He's won the popular vote in all three contests so far, and they're trying to take him down, but he's dedicated his whole life to these same messages. Has he gotten a lot done? Is he the one that can create change? Can he beat Trump? We'll dive in with Aura Vasquez later. But they're all trying. People are doing their best. Amy Klobuchar finally got the hair shaking under control. Her hair is now solid. The rest of her body's shaking kind of a bit. Pete, younger and younger. He gets stubble. He seems less and less able to shave. Maybe he's doing it on purpose to show that he is not, in fact, a preteen. But... 
He's doing his best. It's a young boy out there swinging for the fences. You got to appreciate that about him. Bloomberg seems done to me. He's still blanketing every single place on the internet with his ads and on the television with his ads constantly, as is Tom Steyer, but Tom Steyer is doing it just to be funny at this point. He should start telling jokes in his commercials. He's trying to get a Netflix special. No one's voting for Tom Steyer. Right now it's a race between Bernie and Pete. Biden did finish second. He's got a little breath of life. And I think Bloomberg's out. And I think Warren is on the fence. Says on the ropes. On the ropes is the term when someone's about to be out. On the fence means she's undecided. She's pretty sure. I'm also pretty sure she's not in the best spot. We'll see how it shakes down. Super Tuesday coming. South Carolina coming before that this weekend. Before you know it, it'll be over like a Pam Anderson marriage. Her fifth marriage just ended after two weeks. Congratulations to Pam and the family. Setting the record straight, Pam Anderson is sharing her truth after her estranged husband, John Peters, supposedly took care of her financial needs. Anderson and Peters married on January 20th in a private ceremony because when you're going to have somebody pay your bills and then bounce, don't do a super big fancy affair. That costs more money than the bills you're getting covered. It's a bit of advice for me, for me to the Anderson family. They both have been married four times prior. Here's a hot tip. If you've been married four to five times, you don't understand what marriage is. You just have had relationships. You've had four or five long-term girlfriends. What, how is it marriage? What's the difference? Nobody understands what you're doing. No one respects it. She married uh, Tommy Lee in 95 to 98. Kid Rock from 2006 to 2007. Rick Solomon of Paris Hilton sex tape fame in 2007. And again in 2014. Her taste in men is impeccable. This marriage ended less than two weeks after the marriage before. He called off this marriage via text message. It's the classy way to do it, as opposed to calling somebody and interrupting their day. This whole marriage thing has scared me, he texted. Yeah? You've done it five times. Is, is, is this new? Are you new, bro? Get this. Just a couple days after that marriage ended, he's engaged again. To Julia Bernheim of the Bernheim Bears, the classic children's books. Congrats to Julia. You, I would like to just wish you to a half month of happiness coming your way. I hope that goes well for you. Harry Reid, legend in Congress, now retired, and also a great porn name, wants us to abandon the caucus system. He wants to make Nevada his own state first in the nation in primaries and make it a primary, not a caucus. Obviously, we have to do this. It is far past time that we abandon the caucus system because we have modern voting and don't live in barns anymore where you should meet in barns and try to get people to come to your barn corner. Vote like a normal person. What is this? In Iraq, they vote with private voting booths. In America, we're going into a school gymnasium and saying, hey, come over here by the rope if you like Mayor Pete. Doesn't make any sense at all. Get rid of it. 
Thanks to everybody who voted for me in the New Hampshire ballot, by the way. 0.1% of the vote I received. And true honor. I can't remember if I reported this a couple weeks ago when it happened. But I did get on the one ballot in New Hampshire for my campaign. Got 0.1% of the vote. Statistically tied with Kamala Harris, Julian Castro, Cory Booker, Marion Williamson, and all the other campaigns that also were over at that point. But I beat a lot of people. A lot of people had 0% and less votes than me. So I begged people not to vote for me. The campaign had been done for a couple months at that time. People still voted for me. I'm so touched. Truly, thank you for your support during the campaign, and thank you for supporting me. But the campaign is over now, so please support somebody who has a chance to win. Let's rally behind the nominee, if we can. Um, U.S. casualties from the Iran missile attack have risen yet again. Associated Foreign Press has reported. Number of U.S. troops who sustained traumatic brain injury when Iran launched missiles at the U.S. base in Iraq last month. First, first Trump came out and said, no injuries at all, no damage, no casualties. Casualties are injuries or death. And then it came out, there was 34 of them that were injured. And now 110 have traumatic brain injury. President Trump referred to their injuries literally as just some headaches, okay? Just some headaches. The guy will just literally lie to any degree, cover up any fact, just so he does not drop in the polls beyond his already pathetic numbers. It is so sad and so frightening for any concept of truth or character or morals in this country. We must remove him. I don't think, I don't think Bloomberg is a guy that's going to do it. Yet another billionaire who has sexual harassment claims against him and racist policies in his past. It's got to be somebody different. What white man can we choose that will get it done? We need a white man that can save us. Should it be Elizabeth Warren? She's not a white man. Amy Klobacher? Is her, is her manliness white enough? You might be thinking, Ben, those are women. I'm just trying to give them the best chance to win, and America's not ready for a female president. Or are we? Polls say we're not. I'm ready. I would like it. Maybe some of you listening would be down for it. But most of the country feels like women, feels like a lot of people that think that a woman's place in the kitchen don't even have full kitchens in their homes. Their homes are on wheels and they mostly have a hot plate. You know? Madison Baumgartner, star pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I only knew that because it was in the news this week. I don't follow the Diamondbacks or baseball in general, just the Dodgers. As a secret life, as a rodeo star. Listen, I admire somebody that pursues their passions in the face of a contract that pays a millions not to do that. But why rodeo? Roping cattle at the rodeo. Could you choose something more likely to injure yourself? Let's do it. I'd like to do a secret sport where there's angry animals with horns. And they're trying to put their horns up my bottom sides. Right into my outsides from the bottom. Now we're here. It's a Drake song. Uh, I've been to a rodeo. Not a full one, but like a fake one with like little clowns. I've been to a, I've been to a uh, bullfight in Spain. Very graphic. I won't be able to show it to you on the audio version of this podcast. If you tune into the video, also we'll be able to show it to you because I'm not in a rodeo or bullfighting arena right now, and that should have been obvious to you. I shouldn't have even had to say it. 
I like a secret life, though. I've been living a secret life, I'm willing to admit to all of you right now, for years, as a kazoo star. And I don't like to talk about it publicly. I do post many videos of myself playing the kazoo on my social media. That's the way I kind of keep my kazoo life on the down low, because I've been shadow banned, and the algorithms are fucking me so hard that nobody's really seeing my social media. I mean, very few people. So no one knows there. It's a nice private place. I get to play kazoo for me and my friends who are on my social media and who demand algorithms be damned to see me play tunes in such dulcet tones that really it reinvents what a kazoo could be. A lot of people think, oh, funny birthday party instrument for children. I say no. An instrument that is underrated for its ability to emulate the sounds of the heart. But kazoos did something extra special this week. Metalheads with kazoos drown out Westboro Baptist Church, VirginiaMercury.com reports. A couple hundred metalheads with kazoos converged on the state capitol Monday morning to defend one of their own by drowning out a small group of the horrible assholes from the Westboro Baptist Church, the ones that say God hates fags on their signs and go outside of military funerals and stuff because they're just crazy people with some very misguided mission from God, much like most trolls on the internet. And... The Kansas-based hate group said they came to Virginia to demonstrate against Delegate Danica Rome, Democrat from Manassas, who's the state's first and only openly transgender lawmaker. And uh, Rome also happens to be a metal singer, which prompted her fan base to come out, led by Randy Blythe from the band Lamb of God, a very well-known metal band if you're into metal. I don't really like metal because I enjoy music that sounds musical. That's coming from a kazoo player, a secretive kazoo player. Still, I like music to not sound like, I'm trying to break your fucking ears. Fucking ears? Buccaneers. Rhyme is together, and it's a side note. But apparently they can sometimes do nice things, and they created this counter protest. They just they said it's absurd. You can't reason with these people. So just come and drown them out, and they drown them out with the kazoo. I understand the subtext of this story is that the kazoo is good at drowning out people because it's an annoying, loud noise. I don't find it that. I, I, I believe they played the kazoo in unison and melted the hatred in the hearts of the Westboro Baptist Church. I'm probably wrong. I don't know if it's accurate or not. I like to believe that to be true. Um, this last week has been very intense. So much going on. Like I said, many debates. The Pam Anderson marriage. Kanye in another big scandal, has us an uproar. He did not carry Pam Anderson's bags. Not Pam Anderson. Kanye, uh, Kim, Kimoth, Kimothy, Kimothy Kardashian, one of the Kardashian twins, uh, was in an elevator and in an elevator box. And then Kanye's like, "Nah, fuck this." Walked out, left the bags behind. What's my opinion of a, a man not carrying Timothy Kardashian, Caitlyn's bags? Why don't you wait until I talk to my guest? Because I will ask. Her opinion of it. Her name, by the way, Aura Vasquez. Aura Vasquez. And I say we go talk to her. I say we say, hi, Aura Vasquez. Hola, Aura Vasquez. And um, find out about somebody who cares about this country, fighting for the people, has dedicated her life to it. Um, let's go to that interview right about now, I think, is probably a good time to do it. So the time has come. I am here with Aura Vasquez, who's running for L.A. City Council. Let me tell you a little bit about her more in depth. She's a community leader 
a social and environmental justice advocate running to be the first Afro-Latina candidate to represent Los Angeles City Council District 10. I don't even know what Afro-Latina means, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. We'll get into it. Why don't you just tell me now? I'll continue the, the bio. Afro-Latina <laughs> means you're part Latina and part African-American? No. So Afro-Latina means that um, you are from the African diaspora, from uh-huh. another place other than the United States. Uh-huh. So, for example, Cubans are Afro-Caribbean or Afro-Latinos, too. Um, clearly, in Colombia, we wouldn't use this term, per right. se, but definitely they use it here. So. We like to divide people among labels yeah. here. <laughs> Love that. Okay. You're, she's also a community organizer. She's been working for the past decade on the most transformative issues in Los Angeles. We just did a comedic uh, political talk show together, and I was very impressed, and I thought I had to get her on the podcast. She's fought to get driver's license for undocumented immigrants. Here in L.A., she was a mastermind in the Sierra Club Beyond Coal campaign, mm-hmm. very big environmentalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you secured a commitment by the LA, uh, by the city, city of L.A. to go coal-free by 2025. You're welcome. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> coal is not great to breathe <laughs> if people aren't aware of that. You're the first Afro-Latina. I know what that is now. It's from the African diaspora. Uh-huh. Um, serving on the Wilshire Center Koreatown Neighborhood Council, yeah. or as I like to call it, the WCKNC. <laughs> That's where I get my fried chicken. Or is that KFC? I'm confused. <laughs> Fought against luxury development in her district. Became the first immigrant and youngest commissioner for the L.A. Department of Water and Power. And supported incentives to lower power bills for all residents. Love that because my power bill is bonkers. Yeah. You and need solar power, man. I would like to get to solar, but it's kind of expensive <laughs> to get the equipment put yeah, up. Yeah, we'll talk more about that. Okay, we'll okay. Talk more about and you that. also the first to ever hold office hours in that position. Yeah. And the history, 116 years. No one ever thought, let's talk... Like, with the people a chance to talk to us. No, because oh, actually they don't want anyone to talk to them. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Of course. So you're from where originally? So I'm Colombian. Colombia. So I'm Colombian, and I was born and raised in Colombia. Uh, my family, we are from the southwest area of Colombia. Near what cities? Uh, Cali will be our closest city. Oh, okay. We're from a, a small town outside of Cali. Um my dad, much of my, my, both of my sides are, are a, a lot of black people, but okay. black Latinos. Got it. And, and I have a lot of indigenous also in my, in my heritage. Awesome. My dad went to high school in, in Columbia in, in Bogota. No way. That's cool. Yeah. But he's not Afro Latina. He's just kind of white, <laughs> I think. I don't really even know what his background is exactly. I've never asked. We've That's never fine. met. No, I'm kidding. We, we welcome everyone in Colombia. <laughs> I love that. So what brought you here? So, you know, we were going back in the 80s and in the 90s. We were experiencing a, a very sad time in our country, in my country in Colombia, uh, with the war against drugs. Mm-hmm. That actually, I speak often about this because people sometimes think that this this was a good thing, but it wasn't a great thing in, in Colombia. It really exacerbated a lot of the violence with the narcos and mm. the narco war and all that. Yeah, it didn't do well here either. It, I don't think it has done well anywhere, yeah. <laughs> to be honest. Declaring, declaring war on inanimate objects, sometimes that people enjoy or don't know better. It's not a great policy in general. It just separates communities, creates people being imprisoned for the wrong reasons, and it creates kind of almost challenges, it seems like, underground drug networks to thrive. Absolutely. But it does make some people rich. 
Of course. So that's all that that's really matters. Why, that's life. why we do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly <laughs> so right. So my family and I came to New York, actually, in, in the early 90s to live there, like many Colombians escaping violence and just pursuing the American dream and, and just a better future for us. So I went to school also in, in New York. I went to study there. I love that. Where'd you, where'd you go? I went to a CUNY school to Lehman College for political science. So the University of New York. Yeah. Love that. Okay, so then how did your political life start? What brought you out to Los Angeles? And then how did you get activated? Yeah, so, so you know, my family was always very involved in my town. We have a huge sense of community before we left. And mm-hmm. my dad, definitely I grew up uh, going around in town hall meetings with my parents and my my dad. And I was always asked to speak. I was always allowed to to share my, my opinion, mm-hmm. even as a young girl. So I always felt that my voice really had power and, and really matter. And, you know, I saw, and, and this much is about my career, even as an environmental justice activist and how it all started. So, you know, I was 11 years old. I saw a science show about the ozone layer and I talked about it the whole weekend with my parents, with my family. I went to school and asked to talk to my principal. And, uh, you know, eventually when I got to talk to her, I, I told her what I have seen in the show about the ozone layer. And I was, you know, clearly very alarmed to learn about global warming, you know, back in. You didn't the like there being a hole in the ozone layer. <laughs> I definitely didn't like that. Right, and I right. didn't like that it was going to cause seawater rise level and it was going to kill all the animals. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to my principal and I asked her what she was doing about global warming. And, you know, she asked me, best question that you can maybe ask a child, what are you going to do about it? So I spoke to her about, you know, the aerosols. Remember back in the 80s with oh, the yeah. hair and all Chlorofluorocarbons, that. Chlorofluorocarbons, small price to pay for big hair. Exactly. <laughs> and for our planet, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. That's also that. So, um, so then I went and founded the first environmental club in my school at age 11. How old are you? Age, age 11. 11. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's when kind of my, my calling for... Uh, you know, for working together with other people and, and, and just really seeing injustices really came about. And you solved global warming at age 11. So then we were able to move on to other issues. Well, or am I reading that wrong? I'm sorry. It's still a problem. Well, I mean, it's Damn still, it. it's, I'm still fighting <laughs> climate change. And much of my journey later on in my career became about, you know, also continue protecting people's health and in our planet as well. I love that. So. Why fight it for with your life's work? Because a lot of us will get involved for a minute on Twitter. We'll retweet something. We'll maybe go to a march here and then. What what made you make this your mission in life? Was it your father just instilling that we have to fight for justice? Or was it something? What is it that made this? You decided this is going to be my life fighting for people. Well, I don't think it was a linear uh, trajectory. I right. think there was a lot of stuff, you know, going to New York, becoming an undocumented student was definitely something that really shaped my life, my life work, you mm-hmm. know, definitely seeing how in so many instances working in the shadows and also being a student and working all day and, 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 you know, studying, it was really hard. And to see how little I felt that we had uh, a representative or somebody that was in our corner to fight for us. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a combination between my family and my experience. And, you know, I went to school for political science in a public school in New York where they really, we, we, I got to, 
connect with people from all over the world, understand also their struggle, people from Jamaica, from West Africa, you know, other people from the Caribbean, other people from South America like me, and, and also understand that we had a common, you know, a share, share value and share story. And to see that really never, it never felt like we had anybody that would, you know, support us or speak out for us. Well, luckily now we do in the Trump administration. They've got really, <laughs> I'm sorry, I read that wrong in my brain. What do you think about the way this administration has been demonizing Latinos, immigrants, Latinos, yeah. undocumented people? So, you know, much of me running for city council actually came from that place. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm a big Bernie Sanders supporter. And, you know, when he didn't get the nomination, you know, we quickly turned around and supported Hillary. But we also knew that we needed to take higher action and that also that voice, that grassroots voice wasn't represented even at the, at the DNC. Right. So when the Trump DNC is super anti grassroots voice, as I've learned, <laughs> they really try to squelch voices that don't come from within their establishment. They want to control who gets the nominations, who gets to become power players. Well, and I'm sure you have a lot of experience with that because yeah. you ran for president. So yeah. You know that they, they love to say that they're for the people and DNC is not my favorite. No, they're, they really have been failing us, in my opinion, for a while now. Tom Perez is not that into me. Let me just say it that way. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, you know, there, there's, again, there is a machine and you even see it at the local level Me mm. with me like running for city council. I definitely see it that oftentimes people say, you will be great. You actually will be better than anyone to run, you know, for city council or to be a city council woman. But, you know, it's his turn or right. we're going to support him because he has all the money and because right. he has all the power. And that's what I'm really fighting for right now. So tell me about this race you're in right now. What are the polls looking like? Who are you running against? What are the odds? Yeah, so we are five candidates uh, running. Uh, so it's Representative uh, Mark Riley Thomas, who is a current supervisor for uh, the second district here in, in L.A. He's been a politician for the past 29 years. He was a city council member before in a different district, not in District 10. He loves it. Yeah, uh, he was in the legislature. You know, now he's a supervisor and you feel like it's kind of like a stepping down from his position. He can only serve for one term because he's term out of, of all of other, you know, positions. <laughs> all other offices. <laughs> all other offices. So They're he's kicking running. him out of Dodge. But yeah, I mean, he's running for city council because he wants to run for mayor. So it's one of those things Got that. It. You know, he's kind of keeping the seat warm. And, and you don't think he's a progressive enough dude for you? No, not at all. I wouldn't say that. Okay. I mean, just the fact that you're coming in, running for city council, knowing that you can only serve one term and knowing that you're not going to really come and, and, and work for the community and fight and right. bring resources is, is already You're just not doing okay a straight resume book. builder. Yeah. And so you were, t and the city council, for those who don't know, is very important and powerful. You were explaining, can you explain to our listeners how you say in a lot of ways it's more important than more powerful than the mayor? Well, yeah. And, and the way that the city council in Los Angeles is set up, uh, city council members have more power than the mayor. So the mayor kind of have executive uh, position, but the city council ran a $10.5 billion budget in LA. Damn. Yes, they they have the budget for the police, for the firefighters. They fix your streets. They can deal with our homelessness crisis, with climate change. You know, we have the largest public utility in the country. So the city council members also 
can um, instruct them on what to do or not to do. Like, for example, your solar panels. That can be a program that the city council yeah. member can subsidize instruct. that shit. Yeah. How many people sit on the city council? Uh, 15. 15. It's only 15 uh, city council members in a 4 million people city. Wow. And how many are up for election now? How many positions are open? I think it's all the uneven uh, numbers. So six, seven. Okay, yeah. six. But but there's only there's five people running for your one yeah, slot for your district. Only, yeah, that is five. Okay, so tell us what your campaign stands for. What is it you're going to do in office? Make us promises that you <laughs> will not follow through on when in office, because that's what politicians do. <laughs> that's funny. So I'm not like a career politician or a regular politician. You know, I I do believe that working together we can change a lot of different things in our city. I'm a community organizer, so that's much of the, my core value. Right. Believe you know. Republicans tell us though the community organizers are something to be made fun of, and that it's not great to be a community organizer. Obama did, and what did he ever accomplish in his life? <laughs> So I just wanted to make that in the back of your head, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I know. I have heard that too. Organizing your community. What, to improve things? Boo. <laughs> but go ahead, please. Typical, typical mm-hmm. uh, Republican talking yeah. point. I love it. And they get people cheering. They get people whose communities need organizing, cheering on them making fun of people trying to help their communities. Don't help our community. Give more tax cuts to the rich, Okay. Jesus it's Christ. It's so confusing how they're just convinced over and over again to vote against their interests. But again, I interrupt you. I'm so sorry. It's okay. So what I'm doing. So I'm a renter. So for me, it's very important that we keep rent affordable. Mm. Every day, Los Angeles is seeing more people sleeping in their cars, sleeping in tents in the street. Because we have like 36,000 homeless in LA. And it's getting worse every year. Yeah. And my district, it grew by 21%. Wow. This, this only this past year. So I truly believe that we need to invest more in affordable housing, uh-huh. and we can't. It's just that if you look at the money in politics, a lot of our politicians get the majority of their funding from developers. Right. So it's really hard to turn around and really take, you know, say, we're not going to do this when these people are the ones funding your campaign. But what do you say to, to real estate investors and developers who say that, you rent controls actually hurt the economy, that it puts a restriction on the ability of the economy to create jobs and to grow and that, and that just that in general. Yeah. So look, if you, if you earn a decent living and if you can invest, if, if you have enough, which should be at 30%, not more than 30% of your salary should go to your rent. And that's so high already. I know it's, it's, it's so high already. The, you can invest back in the local economy because if you have enough, then you go to a restaurant, you go shopping, right. you, you know, it's, it's, it just reinvests back in the economy. I think the issue is that we're getting some people, we, we're getting money for some people, but it's not just for the working people of Los Angeles. Mm. It's for, it's for developers and, and, and people that develop luxury, de- like development, right? So now. your argument is that by keeping rents low, you get people to stay in their own community, then they have disposable income. They can reinvest. Whereas if people have this scarcity life and they can barely afford rent, if you can even stay in town at all, that's not a way to have a vibrant economy. Absolutely. And let's talk about pollution, which LA hasn't um, complied with the Clean Air Act since 1979. Mm-hmm. So it's a long time, you know? But we're going to uh, get to it. We're going to get around to it. <laughs> Eventually. I know they say the like, UN says like the, we, we have only till 2030 to reverse catastrophic climate change but we'll get to it 2050 we'll get to it at some point well yeah but in the in the issue of housing 
the more that we raise the rents, the more people have to go away from LA to to leave, and then they have to commute mm. to LA. More fossil fuels, work. more pollution. There is more pollution. There is more cars on the street. There is more traffic, and who loves the traffic here? Like it's insane. Mm. So these super commuters are not people. They cannot afford to live here, and that's a huge problem for us too, from like an environmental you know perspective too. Yeah. So I want to get more of the environment in a second, but why do you think it is that the city council currently and Garcetti, who certainly knows that even just even politically, the homeless problem is putting a huge stain on his tenure in office? It's why he partially why he decided not to run for president himself. What's the problem? Why, despite all the efforts, is it getting worse? I think there's a couple of things. I think that we all voted for Measure HHH. We have $1.5 billion bond that is supposed to come and help with housing the homeless. Yep. But to get that money from a bond to actually uh, build a home is extremely difficult. I mean, just building a loan in LA is very hard, like permittings and finding real estate that is affordable. Mm. And also the NIMBYism, you know, mm. the people not saying, in not in my backyard. People mm. saying... Well, I don't want the homeless sleeping in my street, but I also don't want a shelter here. Am and they I- also act as though a homeless homeless is like a permanent stain on who is like a part of your DNA. Right. You're no longer homeless once you get that home. I know exactly. Problem solved. Know you won't exactly. have homeless living in your backyard if you give them a place to live. Uh, of course, and you know, in my district, we we are just building one uh, bridge housing. Which another of the uh, candidates running for for office, Grace Yu, which is a Korean lawyer, and she prides herself to talk about the homelessness issue and how she's going to resolve it. But she rallied up the Korean community against the only bridge housing in in in, in our district because they didn't want it there. Yeah, because they didn't want it there, and because they said it was close to schools and close to rest uh, supermarkets. And I'm like, well, everywhere you turn around. That is a school. I mean, it's, yeah. it's just And how- supermarkets. Ralph's alone has to stop expanding. <laughs> we don't need so many Ralph's. Exactly. Or Trader Joe's or whatever that is out there. I mean, there. I don't mind the Trader Joe's, but the Ralph's are the real problem. Right, right. Or, or parks. So, so a mean, lot of it's just that we haven't been able to take the bond money yet and put it into and building it, the things. Right. So much about my campaign Garcetti is that we need to move that money. We need to get it yeah, out it of the Yeah, it can't be fast-tracked. Why is, why is it not being fast-tracked? How come this current city council well, and Garcetti can't push it through? We can, but we just haven't had the leadership to it. So, yeah. but why isn't Gar- so Garcetti just ineffective as the mayor? Because that's what the mayor can do, right? He's the right. the person that actually can move what the he's the thought leader. He's like the president of the city. He can actually push what we focus on. Right. But he's focused on it. So why is it, what what are the roadblocks? Well, I think also besides the nimbyism, getting the money out of the bureaucratic process to actually the the housing is the idea that you know homeless don't vote. Right. <laughs> You know, they have bigger problems. And that's, and that's, and that's and really an sad. And they don't really, I mean, there's a few organizations that advocate for the homeless and the sweeps and, and how unhumanely they're being treated nowadays right. and how they lose their medicine and their IDs and the little bit that they have. But, you know, for politicians, a lot of times, again, we don't have a lot of politicians. That, we love to say that city council, Los Angeles city council is progressive. But I don't know how progressive we are. I think we can count with one hand and we have fingers left who really is for the for the homeless and, and who's really trying to like really think about like re- and actively do it, mm-hmm. you know, and. I love when people say like, well, you get out there and, and the, bureau- the bureaucratic process is really hard. I was a commissioner for the Department of Water and Power, the most entrenched bureaucracy. 
uh, I feel like in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And we were able to do a lot of exciting things. The solar for renters, we were able to approve more funding for electrical vehicles and charging stations all around the city because we need to control our pollution issue. We were able to retire three coastal gas plants. I I saw that that you got Garcetti to to switch them to to renewable, renewable energy. energy. It's amazing. And and I remember when I became a commissioner, that was already part of like that was already in my radar. And when I started talking to other commissioners about it, they were like, "Don't go there. It's crazy. You're never gonna do it. It's a loose cause. Don't ever do." And you know, t talk about leadership to to try to convince not just the, the commissioners, not just my staff, but also the public about how these can be different. That's much of what you have to do when you're a leader. You know, that's, that's what leadership is about. Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, city council members, the mayor, sometimes they, you know, they're very busy dealing with a lot of different issues and they forget that we need to roll up our sleeves and organize right. and bring people together. It's just you, if you're in office too long, you just get mired down by the system. It's why you need new blood. Yeah. And so what else does your campaign stand for? Before we move on to other things in the news, well, tell me yeah, what else. So, you know, so we talked about housing. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about rent freeze, uh, you know, keeping uh, rent control rent control, not turn it into luxury development. Mm -hmm. We need more mental health services for our homeless. You know, uh, the homeless community is not a homogenous community. It's not just these or that. There mm. are women, there are veterans. So, you know, so they need more services. And I'm very pro bringing services so that they can come back. Also, look, there's a lot of people that are on the verge of becoming homeless that are like one pay check away from, from, from being homeless or they need 200, a few hundred dollars to pay for the rent before they get kicked out. And, and there are section eight, vouchers that we don't really ever use either people it's don't even so know that it's available to them. absolutely so we need to make sure that we need to help people not become homeless because it's always more costly when mm. they're already out on the streets and then environmentally your plan is what yeah so my i want free transit i want to make sure that our transit is safe is reliable you know that it actually takes me from point a to point b in a timely matter i think that's overrated but you go for it <laughs> i like to just kind of like Crap shoot, see where you end up. <laughs> you do you, you know. <laughs> I like to read books in the in the in the train or in the bus. You don't but, look you up. Know, but That's I the but I like to get there timely. Mm. All right. You don't want to be constantly telling the driver where you where you need to be going. Exactly, okay, exactly. Fair enough. And and also, you know, I want free transit, as I said. I want to get LA to one hundred percent renewable energy. Yeah. How is that not something the entire planet's trying to do as fast as humanly possible? Why can't we just phase it out in the next 10 years? You no longer are making any fossil fuel powered vehicles. It doesn't, I don't, there's no reason. Uh, well, because you know, we have one of the most powerful industry in the world, uh, running this show. And I mean, just, they're running the yeah, show in DC for sure. Of course. But that's the only, it's just because our politics is completely corrupted. So we need an anti-corruption act. Locally, everywhere around the country. Absolutely. And nationally. I totally support that. And, you know, I took a pledge to not take any fossil fuel money. I love that. So I'm very proud. And, and your I, opponents are not doing that. No, no, definitely one of them is not. And actually, we were today at the, uh, in the LA Times talking about fossil fuel funding. Story about your campaign in the LA Times today yeah. saying that your, your opponent won't even approve zones, safe zones around drilling, uh, oil drilling, oil drilling around people's homes. Yes. <laughs> said we don't want to do that because it might 
lead to lawsuits from the fossil fuel industry. Exactly. That's the argument. That's the Let's argument. Let's not make change because we might get people angry at the change and we might get a lawsuit and then we might have to say, yeah, you lose the lawsuit because it's obvious common sense. We shouldn't be drilling for fossil fuels near people's air. Absolutely. And water. Yeah, absolutely. So it's pretty disheartening to see that we still have leadership in California who prices to be, you know, a, a green leader around the country and around the world. Mm -hmm. And we have elected officials that take money from the fossil fuel industry. And we have elected, like elected officials. And we have candidates that can't even stand up for people's health. But, you know. We got to change that. Money. Money controls a lot of it. Money <laughs> yeah. controls a lot of it. That's why I try to stay as not rich as possible so that we can be a man of the people. <laughs> Although I promise you, God, I will stay a man of the people if you give me some money, okay? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I could do it. So um, you said you're a Bernie Sanders supporter. Mm -hmm. Big debate right now going on, raging around the country because Bernie's become the front runner. Yeah. He's won the first three contests as far as popular vote. Mm -hmm. Crushed it in Nevada. Yeah. Literally 46% or something compared to the Biden got 20%. And that was the next closest. Yeah. More than lapped him and all the rest of them. And so the media is freaking out. Chris Matthews just compared him to the Nazis overtaking I France. <laughs> I, I, I saw them come over there. They overtook him. And I felt pushed down and repressed by Bernie Sanders trying to be a man <laughs> of the people. Okay, no way to be a progressive. But so... That's the big debate. Is he electable? And I got to be honest, I'm concerned about it too because I'm trying to decide who to endorse. And I love Bernie and I love Elizabeth Warren. Mm -hmm. They are the two progressives that I like. And I right. think it's the stupidest, most stubborn thing in the world that Bernie has to call himself a democratic socialist and give the perfect word that will scare even people that are sick of Trump into voting for Trump again. Yeah. Why is he doing this? And can he win with that? Yeah, I think he has done plenty of, of, um, conversations, news about, you know, what a social, a democrat socialist is. And actually earlier I was talking about what is like, what is to be a progressive. Somebody asked me, are you the most prog are you trying to be the most progressive? Right. You know, of the city can council candidates right now. And I said, well, you know, let's, let's think about what really progressive means. You know, it's like, yeah. So when you stand for people's health, when you start for people, for working class people, so then you're certainly progressive. Right. I progressive mean, just means you're, in, you're for progress. Yeah. You want things to advance and not stay stagnant and then die. And to advance for everyone. For everybody. Not just not for, for rich special people, interests. Not right. just for, you know, corporations like, Amazon that have come to communities and pay zero taxes. And, you know, so yeah, that's, that's it. And I think w with Bernie, I, I don't, I, I think that is, is exciting to see that he has been able to stand up and answer the questions and educate people and also see how in other countries, like in the, in, in, you know, in the Scandinavia and in Europe, there's a lot of socialism, and I don't see them freaking out. True, but he's not <laughs> doing himself any favors by praising Hugo Chavez's pl literacy program right. and Cuba. Like, it's a big problem. Castro's program in Cuba. What mm -hmm. am I talking about? Castro. 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 Cuba. My God. But he, that's what that's what we he praised. Right? He praised Cuba this well, week. Well, so it, or was in, it in the eighties, he was Chavez. at a show, and he basically spoke about how, like, you know, when when Castro became you know, the dictator in Cuba, I mean, the literacy programs. And it's, I mean, I. No, we just said it the other day on 60 Minutes, like yesterday, yeah, two days yeah, ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw it too. He didn't and, need to be saying these things. 
Well, you know, you can deny who you are. But so, it's, no, but you don't need to say it's just politics. It doesn't play politics well. It's like, yeah, of course I could go on the news running for office and saying, look, Hitler ran the trains great. Yeah, he ran them on time. He also right. killed millions of people. You don't need to praise him. You give, you give meat to your opponent. Trump is the genius at saying, look, he wants to be Castro. <laughs> Chavez is his best friend. I saw them together in the golf course. Look, Bernie's so old. He was hanging out, preschool, Muppet baby style. A lot of these other communist leaders. It's not good. He's going to do it. Yeah, he's going to do it. He's so I, do I'm it. torn. And so what's the argument for him over Elizabeth Warren? Well, you know, Bernie's been at it for many years, you know. But is that a positive or negative? It's good that he shows he hasn't changed his position, but it's bad that he – come here, Henry. You want to come up here? Come here. Come here. <laughs> We've been joined by another guest, Henry Horse. <laughs> but it's bad that he really doesn't have the greatest track record of getting major things done. I mean, look, he's he's an incredible influencer of all times. I mean, look, look That's now true. people now people are fighting who's the, has the more Medicare for all right. better bill. Who's Medicare for all is? I know exactly. Say my Medicare for all is more right. for all than yours for all. That's you know, true. so the things that people said was crazy four years ago. Now they're all fighting. Does to so he has pushed the agenda of the country in a major incredibly, way incredibly even among the democrats so i i for that for that alone i mean he's an incre- and and you know he speak out about other things like you know the relationship between israel and palestine where he's he has not been shy about mentioning that yeah there's a humanitarian crisis out there too sure which i agree with i agree with the fact that we of course need to be human and kind to the palestinians as a Jewish man, he maybe could be stronger supporting Israel as well. Mm-hmm. I think he oftentimes seems – he doesn't give off the image that he's super pro-Israel, and that's our ally. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure we find a solution that works for both sides. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you agree? Yeah. Definitely, we need to find solutions that work for both. Yeah. So it, it's he, – he, he just seems such a crotchety old man that he sometimes <laughs> – I don't think he, he – he's just not very diplomatic. Well, I think he's very real. He's very real. He's very real, and and that's why he has ignited such a huge grassroots base. And that's also why when I met him on the campaign trail, we were both speaking at an event, and he just blew through me like I was a ghost. <laughs> he went through my soul. <laughs> so I don't have time. <laughs> right through me. Yeah, he's definitely very focused. Very focused guy. A lot of people watching say he's very crabby. I don't need a friendly, funny president. He's kind of funny, but like. If you get it done, you get it done. I just think the jury is still out which one is the one that's more likely to get along with Washington, be both the person who's going to get the corruption out, create big change, but also know how to work with people. Mm-hmm. I'm starting – I kind of feel like Warren might be more likely to do it. Hmm. She used to be a Republican. She's less scary. She doesn't call herself a socialist. She calls herself a capitalist. And I think it's she'll bring the change. She knows she cares about the people, I think, in a major way. But I – I've been getting the impression that she just might be a smarter choice when we have to beat Trump. Well, potentially she's the smarter choice, but who's the more electable from, you know, from the Democrats? And I think that just seeing what ha- was happening right now with Bernie and how he's done so well he's in the caucuses he's and crushing how it. people, lo- I mean, he's turning. To- he's just, like I said, he's just every day more people are supporting him more grassroots are supporting him so i don't right. know if any other can compete not even bloomberg billions True. can compete or and tom people, steyer for that matter 
Well, no one's worried about Tom Steyer. And, <laughs> and then even people – he did make a big case for himself in Nevada this week because people that say that he has just a just a very narrow coalition of young white people, he had the most diverse coalition of support in Nevada in every way, every – Minority group. Absolutely. All supported him in big, big numbers. Yeah, I think Latinos, and even when I canvass my own district, which mm-hmm. is, you know, in, in demographics, it's 60% Latino, you see a lot of Bernie Sanders signs and you see a lot of Bernie Sanders support. Love that. Let's get to the news. There was a big story this week. I'd love your thoughts on it. Chuck Schumer cheesecake scandal. Do you hear about this? <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Acknowledged a report that he has spent more than $8,600 on cheesecake in the last 10 years. Don't worry, it didn't come from taxpayer money, but he loves cheesecake. It's his guilty pleasure, and his staff often buys cheesecake gift certificates for supporters, <laughs> for bets. I'm guessing he's not lactose intolerant. He's clearly not lactose, no. which is very unusual for an old Jewish man. You <laughs> can't clearly. believe it. I don't know how he does it. I'd like tips. I, I'm, I'm now in my 40s, and lactose is starting to turn on me, and I don't like it. So yes, please, Chuck. It's turning in all of us. Is it turning in all of us? It's not cool at all. Um, the Pentagon promises to use AI for good, not evil. Military Times reports. The military has eye on artificial intelligence solutions for everything, mm-hmm. from data analysis to surveillance, maintenance, and medical care. But before the Defense Department moves full steam ahead into an AI future, they're laying out some ethical principles to live by. Nice idea, because I'm afraid of AI taking over everything and killing us all. Is that right? Defense Secretary Mark Esper signed off on five guidelines in a memo released Monday saying, quote, the United States, together with our allies, partners, must accelerate the adoption of AI and lead in its national security-based applications to maintain our strategic position, prevail on future battlefields, and safeguard the rules-based international order. AI technology will change much about the battlefield of the future, but nothing will change our steadfast commitment to responsible and lawful behavior. So we're going to start doing that, I guess. The five guidelines. One, responsible. Two, equitable. Three, traceable. Four, reliable. And five, governable, which breaks down, in short, the article said, any technologies, development, and operations should be carefully developed and used, have safeguards against bias in data analysis, be auditable to find the sources of mistakes and correct them, narrowly define parameters for missions, and have backup plans to to shut it all down if something goes wrong. Wait, and what are we using AI for? Everything. It's going to be coming into every part of our military intelligence, data analysis, warfare. There already there was this secret program that called Haven that the government was working secretly with Google mm-hmm. and getting tracking information on people to be able to identify from um from satellite imagery above who the people are in the images. So people were very concerned that now using Google technology and AI's ability to facially recognize people and through heat information that they would be aiding them in killing people basically. Isn't that isn't that what we were doing when we were having that app that make you look older or younger or whatever? Remember right. that yeah, was it's owned by China. Yes. It's owned by China. It's, I was like I never I never subscribed to that by the way. I was like this is me old and this is me young. You know? And I subscribed to it because <laughs> I wanted to see what I looked like. <laughs> And you just went with your current glowing skin. You're very lucky. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is how I looked 20 years ago, and this is how I look now. Not all of us. What What's your skin regimen? <laughs> um, so since I was a child, every time after I shower, I use um, moisturizer in my face with sunscreen. Interesting. I don't mm-hmm. do any of that. And I use moisturizer all over my body, too. 
That takes a while, doesn't it? How long does it take you to moisturize you, up? You kind of have like a... You now I have like a... Technique. Gattaca style, yeah, like exactly. you're Ethan Hawke rubbing like, off dead skin cells. I'm like walking, getting my clothes, doing my arms. While you're doing that, you're, you're rubbing up your whole body full of moisturizer. Yeah. While you're putting your clothes on, so your clothes are now sticky and, 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 and moisturized. <laughs> no, because you got to use the organic moisturizer that it like it's absorbs quickly. I don't mind having rough skin. And I just move on with my day. You know what I mean? <laughs> not that's me. why. That's why I'm aging rapidly and it's not a good look. Um. China, of course, and other countries have been accused of, not even accused, they have been kind of uh, abusing people's human rights hmm. through ethical, breaking ethical and international norms with AI, right? They've, they've but been. But we do that here in this Yeah, country, but they've been like the surveilling their people. Yeah, true, the border <laughs> we do. Like, we're like, I mean, like, look at what we're doing on the border. And they're surveilling their citizens in a, uh, in a major I way. I mean, and with people that are coming here seeking asylum, I mean, mm-hmm. it's disgraceful what we're doing to other humans and how people we're treating them. People are coming here fleeing violence, mm-hmm. fleeing like your family did, mm-hmm. fleeing difficult situations. And we act as though they are the violent ones. Yeah. And they are like criminals, actually worse than criminals. It's like yeah. literally, it's literally like somebody coming to your door in tears, bloodied up saying, I've just been attacked. Please help me. And you say, you're an attacker. Get away from me, attacker. I'm calling the police. No, you misheard me. Yeah. And also, let's not forget of the influence that the United States have in these other wars in other countries mm-hmm. and how they also help exacerbate, you know, violence in other countries. So, yeah, it's a real tough situation. And that's why I'm so afraid of AI just kind of taking over because look at any science fiction movie ever. It doesn't end well for people. That's when true. We allow robots to take over. But even and- though I feel like. I read this book and I feel like that's the promise, right? That we are the masters and that we have robots that are going to work for us. I doubt it because robots are very strong and they're very creative. (laughs) And once they are able to learn themselves, they're going to want to kill us and they're going to want to take over. Like even look at a dog, not a super intelligent creature. No offense, Henry. And already he rules the house. I don't want him sleeping in the bed. Now he's just jumping into the bed constantly. Imagine if he was a robot that could think and learn. I would be sleeping on the floor in my own house within minutes, <laughs> within minutes. I'd be bringing him robot treats. Right. I'm very scared about it. The White House said they're going to be releasing their own principles for ethical AI guidelines this summer. I'm sure that's going to be a real strong document. Mm. What we're going to do is, uh, since we already have artificial intelligence here in the White House, no real intelligence, just artificial, <laughs> we're going to make sure the robot is no smarter than me. President Donald Trump. And it's going to be really good then because the robot will do nothing. It'll be like basically Roomba capabilities, <laughs> banging itself into the wall over and over again. <laughs> Clearly. Oh my God. Susan Rice called John Bolton shameful to his mustachioed face. Susan Rice, <laughs> former national security advisor, John Bolton and Susan Rice. Uh, very interesting confrontation during mm. an event. They spoke publicly at some talk and Susan Rice took him to task for his failure to testify in Trump's impeachment trial. Ooh. Bolton, um, where did we land it with the impeachment trial? Where did we land? Yeah, where, where, what happened to that? Nothing happened. Nothing happened, exactly. I mean, he's impeached forever. That's a nice stain <laughs> on his record. But the Republicans said, we don't care. Right. We're getting judges. We don't care and acquitted him super quick. Refused yeah. to hear witnesses. It's yeah. all, it's all in the history books now. They're complicit to whatever this orange monster does. Yeah. Totally. It's a real, real sad thing. So to his face, Susan Rice said that it was said, quote, I can't imagine withholding my testimony with or without a subpoena. I would feel like I was shamefully violating the oath I took to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
Bolton said, quote, I said I would testify if subpoenaed. My position is exactly the same as Joe Biden. Rice shot back, except Joe Biden didn't have firsthand knowledge of what happened with Ukraine. He didn't testify. He's probably right that it wouldn't have changed the outcome is what he also claimed. I think that that's the whole point. Yeah. You think it's okay he didn't testify? No, I think it's terrible. But it wouldn't but have changed anything. I think he's like, what, who cares? Nobody is listening to you. Right. So. Yeah. Strong point. Some Tennessee lawmakers are worried that women would abuse the tax-free status of feminine hygiene products. I'm sure you'll agree with these Republican lawmakers here. Republican lawmakers in Tennessee are raising objections to a proposal that would add feminine hygiene products to the list of items that can be purchased during the state's annual sales tax holiday, the Associated Press reported. According to them, GOP lawmakers worried that women would abuse the law and purchase too many feminine hygiene products during the pause on state sales tax and some items, including computers and clothing. The pause only lasts one weekend. Eliminating the so-called tampon tax in general, not even during this weekend, has been a growing movement in states all around the country. Advocates arguing feminine hygiene products are a basic necessity, which not even an argument, they are a necessity, that should be added to a list of necessities that aren't subject to taxes like groceries and medicine. Currently, it is not. It's taxed as though it's a frivolous item. This is crazy. Right. (laughs) I just got to say, this is so crazy. This and the right to choose and... But look, when women, you can agree with me, when women are buying feminine hygiene products, it's something they're doing. It's like going on a vacation. They're doing it just because it's fun. It's like buying candy. And we should tax it very heavily. Wow. 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 Am I wrong? I I actually think that we shouldn't tax it at all. We give life. You give life. So you want to give life. So you want a little. And and hmm. it's so so ironic to me that this conversation about either hygiene products and how much. I mean, look at the language. Like, they're going to go crazy shopping for tampons. (laughs) Oh my God. Women shopping and tampons, the perfect trifecta. Whoa. It's going to (laughs) break the economy that weekend. I mean, like, it's really. Losing tampon tax. Yeah. It's so, so obvious. You need to. Anything that is a medical or health necessity or to live, like food. Or things you need to control or your menstrual control. cycle or birth control should be covered and you shouldn't be Absolutely. taxed on it. You know how expensive is birth control? It's just make you like, wow. It's, it's That I don't know. I've never paid for it. <laughs> I should probably it's, offer to go 50-50 with my girlfriend, huh? I think I think you should. Damn. That would be nice of you. Great. This podcast just lost me money now. <laughs> Thanks so much. I'm going to put my own, apparently I have my own birth control tax in my own household. Absolutely. I'm charging her unbeknownst to me. So I'm repealing that tax as of tonight. Thank you for setting me straight on that, Aura. I appreciate that. Um, what else been going on? Warren, uh, in a negative on her this week, reversed on accepting super PAC money. Did you hear about that? Mm. She campaigned as can- campaigned hard against money's influence in politics. Yeah. She's most aligned with what my campaign was about, the Anti-Corruption Act. And she still says she'll do that as her first order of business, a major anti-corruption act to get the money out once elected. But she will not, a day after the last debate, will not disavow a super PAC supporting her. She said she would not accept any of them, but one called Persist PAC, created to support her campaign. She said that she has called dozens of times for the other candidates to all agree to not accept super PACs, but they have not agreed. So she said, and I quote, so here's where I stand. If all the candidates want to get – I'm working on an impression. If all the (laughs) candidates want to get rid of super PACs, count me in. I'll lead the charge. She told reporters, but that's how it has to be. It can't be the case that a bunch of people keep them and only one or two don't. Hmm. Bernie, who you would think wouldn't accept them, is, however, accepting money from a big money group called Our Revolution that functions similarly to a PAC. But because they're a nonprofit, they can 
raise unlimited sums and not even disclose its donors, which super mm. PACs do have to do. Mm. Where do you stand on all this? I, I'm, I'm endorsed by our revolution. You are? Yeah. Our revolution is the grassroots. So when Bernie Sanders ran the first time and before, the grassroots kind of got together and were like, well, what are we going to be? And mm. it became our revolution. Um, so yeah, so they, they're just like grassroots groups, uh, organizing together. And it's, it's been kind of interesting because actually the people, the, the, our revolution folks here in LA have spoken to me about becoming a pack, uh, or, uh, you know, the difference between a pack and a super pack and such. And, and, you know, this kind of, they're trying to get you to form a pack. Conversation. No, they were, they were actually mentioning to me that they were thinking about, I mean. yeah, they were thinking about becoming mm. a pack, but right now they're just like citizens that come together and right. fundraise for a candidate. Right. So you think that's, that's legit. Do you think that it, you agree with Warren that if, if Bernie and others can accept that kind of money that she should be able to too, so she can fairly compete? Well, because there are packs and there are packs. Right. Right. There are, there are, uh, you know, I mean, again, if you're going to take money from Chevron, Sure. That's, but this that's is like true. a resist group that's just right. supporting her. You think that's fine? That she's wait, she's taking money from from, from this pack that's formed to support her the 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 persist pack. Oh, the persist pack. Yeah, I have heard of them. I I don't know much about who they are. But just in general, any pack, you think it's fair that if Bernie can take huge money from? I think groups, other people should take should it. be able to because you got to be able to fight fair. Yeah, I'm all for for changing the system, but you have to get in first to be able to change it. Yeah. Um, Bill Gates. Uh, bought an electric Porsche this week. Pissed oh. off Elon Musk still, CNN reports. <laughs> Bill Gates, of course, co-founded America's most valuable company, Microsoft, to become one of the world's leading philanthropists. Mm-hmm. But Tesla CEO Elon Musk finds him underwhelming. He's underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's underwhelming. He's like, oh, kind of like no. Dracula when he talks. Gates said the one issue stopping some buyers from changing to electric is the more limited range for electric vehicles. Even if there's a charging station available, it's more time-consuming to recharge than it is to fill up a gas tank. Musk pissed starts dissing Gates on Twitter saying in you my conversations with Gates have been underwhelming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. You don't know what you're talking about. But you know, that's a reality. That's it's a reality. True. And and here, for example, locally in LA, as we as as we we want to electrify everything, right? Mm-hmm. We want to electrify our buses. We want to we want people to adapt to electrical vehicles. We also see that people have to make the choice. Like, where do I buy an electric car? And then what happens 50 miles later? Where do I land? And I think that that's why it's so important to invest in infrastructure, especially in places where there's most pollution and they're, they're more affected by climate change. They should be the first adapters to renewable energy technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree completely. But we knew we do need to get it so it's economically feasible. I wanted to get an electric car and I couldn't afford it. This Per mile, per gas, it was just far. And also, it was worse for the environment because the mileage was – it was a hybrid I was going to get. Oh, okay. I couldn't afford a full electric. And uh-huh. a hybrid, the gas mileage, that based on what I drive, it was actually better for the environment to keep a fossil fuel car. <laughs> and that's the irony. And, you know, uh, if you go and buy – right now, if you go – you live in Los Angeles and you want to buy an electrical vehicle used, you get from DWP $500. Is that right? Yeah, you're welcome. I looked into it. It didn't help <laughs> much. Well, it's the five hundred dollars from the WP, and then the state can give you up to three thousand. There was 3, a couple thousand. Yeah, right. That was. What and we then there's the federal level. So if you buy a used car for four thousand oh, bucks, that's a strong of, point. I mean, I'm like, you're getting you're, a good deal. You then. might be getting a really good deal. I wasn't looking used cars. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm a leaser these days. Yeah. Um, one last story before we go into Twitter answers here. 
Um, this was a, this was one that really rocked the nation, shocked a lot of us this, this week. I don't know if you saw the video, shocking video, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West in an elevator. Uh, they were kissing in the elevator. Sure. You know, married couples do that. <laughs> and then, uh, they walked, uh, out, the elevator doors open. Kanye walked first, left Kim behind with her shopping bags and she had to carry her own shopping bags out of the elevator. Are you shocked? Can you recover? What are your thoughts? That is, that is so disgraceful. Disgraceful. <laughs> Disgraceful. It's almost like ripping that award out of Taylor, Taylor, it's like, Taylor Smith's hand. I would have bags and hit him in the head with That's them. a smart idea. That's a smart idea. <laughs> hit him right in the back of the head. Interesting. You know, we live in an era right now that I'm lucky if somebody opens my door. Really? <laughs> if I'm sitting in a car. I can't believe how much chivalry has gone by the wayside. I'm like, guys, please get it together. It's I am not curious dead. what your thoughts is, what your thoughts are though between even Henry Equ- thinks so. Henry is, he always gets very frustrated <laughs> at the right things. He doesn't like when women aren't treated well. He's trying to get to the mic and you already made your comments known, Henry. You, you kind of give a little grumble. Um, what do you think the line is between treating women equally, mm-hmm. but also still chivalrously opening doors, letting them out of an elevator first, yeah. et cetera? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm that kind of person. I'm a feminist. You know, my mom was a feminist without knowing that she was a feminist. Mm-hmm. You know, she, ra- she raised me much of a feminist. But I love somebody that is going to, you know, um, you know, move the seat for me. You know, it's just like the little like thoughtfulness, you know, somebody yeah. that is like, I opened the door for you. And God forbid I have a bag. Like I, I just came Carry from the supermarket. Bag. Man, yeah. just come on, help I agree. out. <laughs> Look, people mistake it so often. You can treat somebody as an equal and still have polarity between the sexes and still have different way we dress and different things we do for each other. Absolutely. But then they fail to open the door or they, you know, or, or carry your bag, maybe because they're heavy, not because you cannot do it, right. or maybe because there are too many in your cart or whatever. Or just to be but nice. they love to interrupt you when you're speaking and, and like with a group or they love to, Take your idea. So I would this, never do that. I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> I would never do that. The, so this is this is the one that always kills me. That we, you can be in a conversation, a woman says something, and then they're like, "Okay, great," and then a man follows with the same idea or thought, and everybody thinks it's an amazing idea. I mean, that happened to me <laughs> earlier today. I'm like, "What is going on in the world?" I've never seen that. But what I have seen is men giving the same idea as women, and people thinking that's an amazing thought. <laughs> So I, hope, I don't know if you've ever been familiar I with that phenomenon. You've seen that? that. Oh, it's, it's that. terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> it is time now to check in with the Glebe of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the Glebe Squad, the Friends with Benefits, the B-Glebers in all of us. It is time for Twitter answers. Yeah, all right, Brain Trust. I am here with Aura Vasquez at Aura M. Vasquez on Twitter. Uh-huh. Aura M. Vasquez. Uh-huh. Aura M. Vasquez. And at Aura Vasquez official, official on Instagram, on Instagram, and, on Instagram and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Please follow her. She's fantastic. Please support her. Donate to her campaign if you can at, yes. at Aura2020.com. A-U-R-A2020.com. Mm-hmm. Whatever. You, even $5 helps so much. It helps so much. And, if, and I don't know if you know that if you live in Los Angeles, if you donate any amount, so if you donate $1, the city matches is 6 Is that right? Matches to, $6? Yeah, up to 114 So if they you give donate- They 6 to 1? Yeah. So if wow. you donate right now $100, the city will match it with 600 Really? Yeah. Wow, guys. So donate less because the city will match. <laughs> <laughs> 
I expect everybody to donate a hundred bucks. That would be incredible, <laughs> guys. So I asked the audience, the brain trust, what's the worst job you ever had? We got some, I'm mean, curious to hear your answer too, but we got some great answers here. Kay Simmons said, being a comedian, worst part, no one laughed. Know the feeling? That was insulting. And I don't know why I'm even reading this out of my own pocket. They, they then said kidding, but it still hurts. Trevor T-A-Z Scott at Tasman 55X says, being a waiter, I've never seen so many rude people before. Also, can we stop the tip equals wage and just start paying waiters and waitresses a normal wage? Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I was a waitress. You so were? I get it. What was the experience but it like wasn't, for you? But it wasn't my worst job. I love I love talking to people and, you know, I, I never had an issue with it. People weren't too rude to you? Oh, for sure. Oh, people for sure. are rude and people are drunk. I'm How about the wages? Like, definitely. I, I agree with that. We got to raise that minimum wage. It's like $2.50 or something. Yeah, for you most. know, that's part of my campaign too. Right now we're at $15 minimum wage, but I support an increase of a dollar every year until 2025 so that, for, we, so that we can make $20. Oh, from 15 to 20 for yeah. people across the board. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I love that. Um, we've got Deborah Miller 13 saying gas station with a car wash in high school had to spray the dirt into a hole every night. Fell into the hole one night and found dirty condoms all around me. Ooh. Mom brought me clean clothes, changed in the office, forgot about the window to the car wash. Young male caught me naked, LOL. Not a good night. Not a good night. You ever have a terrible job, a terrible thing happen at a job? What was your worst job you ever had? I'm trying to think what was the worst job that I ever had. Um, I think when I was in college, maybe I worked like at a... Uh, like a yeah, like a restaurant store, and it was one of those like moms and pops small where I have to kind of also make the fries and wait tables and stuff like that. You were doing five people's jobs at once. Basically, I was. You worked hard. <laughs> my worst job. People keep saying I have to answer these questions myself. My worst job was easily my first time working in an office. It was as a high school senior in my friend's mom's gynecologist's office mm. as a file clerk. And it was the worst. It 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 scarred me emotionally <laughs> to be interested in any sort of activity with women for many years. I can imagine. You don't want to hear certain things like that when you're a young boy already afraid of women. Yeah. You don't want to hear what goes down. My God. But I, I got some exciting jobs. Like I was a tour guide in New York. You were? Yeah. Giving tours of the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I give tours of uh, Harlem and East Harlem. So I learned a lot about the history and well, it was cool. great. I love that. Did you have and a little I headset thing? Oh, you had a yeah. microphone? Microphone. Was it on a, on a on a van? On a, on a bus. On a bus. Yeah. People the- loved it. They were like, oh my God, you're so great at it. <laughs> and that's when you knew you had to leave that, move to LA and run for city council. <laughs> that's when it became clear to you. Big, it became clear. I love that. Uh, Rob Ostrom said, my first job was working cleanup at a bakery when I was 16. In the middle of summer, I was on my hands and knees in a room with ovens and no AC, scraping bakery ingredients off the floor. Of course, I could cool off by scraping ice off the floor of the deep freezer. <laughs> That's a tough job. It's hard. My God. Have you ever had a, a physical labor job? I'm trying to think if I ever had anything like that. Um, no. Hmm. I have not really either. I mean, I'm just like a brute force naturally, and I'm very good with my hands. A lot of people say really manly, one of the best examples of what a man should be. But I've never had a work with my hands job. I, I, I did have to do filing. I had to do. A, I was a storeroom guy. Actually, I take it back in a hmm. in a product placement company. I had to lift a lot of heavy boxes. Wasn't good. I had a week back even as a high school student, <laughs> and it didn't work out great. I would do little short short spurts, and then I would relax. Right. And other people would work, and I'd be like, all right, I'm back in, but, like, guys, can you give me the lighter boxes? 
It wasn't the best. Still a perfect specimen of a man here. A lot of people comment on that. I noticed your silence and it's hurtful. It's hurtful, Aura. Um, Dan Rosenberg says, Bingo the clown doing birthday parties for kids. I had a mustache at the time and had to cover it with makeup. I scared a few kids and adults as well. All for $25. That is very funny. That is pretty amazing. Just shave the mustache, bro. You're a birthday clown. You're a clown. It's very hard to cover a mustache with makeup. How do you do that? I do it every day of my life. Every day. It's a lot of very thick makeup job, a Trump level makeup job at that point. Oh my God. That's hilarious. That is very intense. Unrelated, but related. I dated a birthday clown once. Really? Yep. She was a princess, but also birthday clown at kids' birthday parties. She called herself, uh, Bertsy the Clown, lovely human. And was she funny? She was funny, a little ditzy, would break <laughs> stuff a lot. Would, you never wanted to have her girl be holding glass items. Oh, God. <laughs> but um, I think it's good to have a clumsy clown around children. <laughs> That's probably the move. I guess so. She broke several children. A lot of kids have <laughs> had several broken bones Trauma. interacting with her. Yeah. <laughs> but she did teach me how to make balloon animals, and that's a memory I'll never forget. Something to be thankful for. It is indeed. And I'm thankful that you were here on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a great time. It was really fun. I wish you the best of luck in your election. Thank you. We need more people like you in this country running to be public servants because clearly your heart is so good and you care about people so much. Thank you. That's what we need to create change. I'm definitely trying my best here. And, you know, I hope everybody... Also join my campaign and come and support in whatever way they can. The election's March 3rd, Super Tuesday. It's It's next next week. week. So please, aura2020.com, A-U-R-A-2020.com. Please support a few dollars if you enjoyed listening to this. Let's show her that that we're going to support people that actually care about people. That's the only way we're ever going to get change we need. That's right. And on that note, it is time for the Thunder Round. Oh, you're damn right it's Thunder Round time. Great conversation with Aura Vasquez. And uh, I had to run, so we ended the interview there. Really nice conversation. Hope you support her. But a couple of quick stories here. A few stories in this Thunder Round before we say goodbye. Until next week. A jack-in-the-box employee stopped a robbery by being a badass in Yakima, Washington, one of my favorite towns in Washington. No joke. It's a little county. I I still am friends with the former Republican mayor there, youngest mayor in the country at the time. Um, a fast food employee, I also dated a girl from Yakima. Um, she was nice. She didn't move one time where she was putting makeup on. And she sat in the sink. She wasn't even that small, but she wasn't big. I'm not saying she's big, but she somehow sat in the sink. I walked in the bathroom and she's standing in the sink like she was a turtle being washed by a young boy. But she was there herself with makeup everywhere, putting makeup on. I didn't know somebody could fit into a sink. I want you to stop being bathed as a baby. That wasn't even, I didn't plan on saying any part of that in this story, but now it's been said. Um, a Yakima fast food employee wasn't having it when someone tried to rob him last Saturday, according to a police report. The suspect, 37 year old Damien McCorkle, not a badass criminal name, so you know you're not going to have a great future in crime, walked into the restaurant, ordered some food. By the way, Yakima, Washington has these drive in uh, coffee, drive through coffee places where the employees are like burlesque. Dancers, they're dressed like burlesque women, and they serve you the coffee while dressed in lingerie. Was the woman that I dated an employee at one of those? I don't have a comment on that. I don't I don't know. I can't remember. I blocked that out. If it was, that wasn't why I dated her. I met her at a comedy show, and so happened she had that job. 
So happened I supported her in that job at the coffee house days later. Or I didn't, if that's not somebody that I dated. But the guy's in the restaurant, wearing a coat with his hands in his pockets, like he was going to pull something out of it. Told the cashier he needed money. I'm robbing you, he says. The cashier replied, you're not robbing shit. Yeah, I am, he said. I need the money. I will beat your ass, the employee replied. You want to go outside and handle this? The guy left, just walked out scared. I wish all crime you could just do that. I wish every time Donald Trump spoke, you'd be like, you're not committing treason or shit. I couldn't really conjugate that sentence to work the way I wanted it to, but it's badass. I got robbed once at Knife Point in France, sleeping outside in the banks of the Seine River, and the guy pulled out a knife, put it to my ear, and said, give me your money. I didn't say, you ain't getting my motherfucking money. I gave him the money. I did slip my credit card out, though, under my hand because I knew my dad would kick my ass if I lost his credit card. I was 18. So the guy was booked to the Yakima County Jail after he was found. Suspicion of second-degree robbery and being a big old pussy. Thousands of bees attack police and firefighters, according to Sting Report. A 911 call over someone getting stung by a bee in Pasadena spiraled into a wild situation with first responders, including firefighters and police, getting attacked by an aggressive swarm of 30 to 40,000 bees. Many taken to the hospital. So 4 p.m. on a Thursday, you don't see that coming. And look, I get it that the police are under fire these days for racial profiling. But the bees are turning on them? I don't remember any stories of the bees having any issue with the police or vice versa. The bees are dying out and even they're protesting against the police now? I think chill, personally. Some of these people got 15, 20 bee stings. It's a sad story. Everybody's buzzing about it, though. I apologize for that. As I said, I said, don't say it. And I said it still. I'm sorry. 36-year-old woman arrested for calling 911 after her parents shut off her cell phone. She used to call me on my cell phone. Late night when I need my love. God, I've gotten every Drake quote terribly wrong. Because Drake hasn't had a new album in a long time, and I'm praying he gives us one for summer. America needs this. We need a Drake album to chill things out for summer. Called 911 repeatedly to complain her parents had cut off her cell phone service. Her name was Saloni Kitarpal, obviously rich, privileged, annoying human being. Called the emergency center. Called back two hours later, felt the lack of a working phone was a legitimate problem after they told her it was not, and she cannot call for that, and that is illegal to call 911 for false reasons. She still do it. She still did it. I, I, I don't know if death penalty is too strong a punishment. But maybe not. You got to teach people a lesson. All these crazy idiots calling 911 for no reason. Did I ever do that one time? When I thought somebody was breaking into my house and it turns out there was just fireworks down the street and I was certain they were firing bullets into my home? No. I just made that up. I never did that. That would be so dumb to do that. And then to make it seem so urgent because you were genuinely so terrified that the police sent a helicopter over your home and all of a sudden your backyard is illuminated by incredibly strong helicopter floodlights coming from the sky 
and then they came to your door while you're holding a baseball bat in your underwear, and they said, sir, there was no uh, uh, gun attack at your house at all. Several blocks away, there was just fireworks. Obviously, I'd, I wouldn't do that, because I'm not one of these person that deserves death penalty for the phone cutoff situation. And our last story, doctors discover booze brewing in a sober woman's bladder. Huffington Post reports. A 61-year-old Pennsylvania woman who was seeking a liver transplant caused a real situation after her urine tested for alcohol. She insists she hadn't been drinking that day or at all recently. They took her off the list because you can't be an alcoholic while asking for a new liver. It seems like kind of counterproductive on account of that would ruin the liver immediately. Mine's probably not in great shape typically. But she insisted she's not an alcoholic. She was not drunk visibly at all. And it turns out she has a syndrome, swear to God, called urinary autobrewery syndrome. Her bladder just makes alcohol on its own. And I'm only reporting this story to say if you're out there, can you DM me? Can you slide into my DMs? I'm hoping to have a party soon, maybe for my birthday in a couple months. You're a human keg. We just pour water in you, you brew it, you go pee into a cup, and all of a sudden we got, we got fresh beer on tap. As I'm saying it, the, the plan sounds less appealing than I originally anticipated. I kind of thought, oh, this would be great, free alcohol from this lady. And then I thought, when I realized it had to come through peeing, it seemed less ideal on account of how cheap beer can be when you get bad beer. So she's uninvited from the party. I hope she gets the liver. She's back on the list. We can only pray. This woman is free to brew beer in her belly for centuries to come. I hope she lives to many hundreds of years old, brewing alcohol within her loins, her body parts. That's as good a note as any to end this, I think, don't you? Good. I agree. Until last week, next week, this has been Last Week on Earth. Last Week on Earth.